Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Hour Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes, and Block Talk Radio, and as well on Indie Rap Radio, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, every Wednesday, um, all through the week. And you get replays, over 200 episodes on all the platforms. So the best podcast, Talking Women's uh, American Football, is right here on Block Talk Radio. Uh, we are going to have in the house today uh, Luis Bean coming in the house. I believe we should have Troy Wilson also coming in the house. Big show today, 266. And uh, a lot of great news this week. Uh, kind of a geek goal for us. Uh, the reach on our Facebook page. I want to thank everybody that has gone to the Facebook page. Um, and the last month or so, it has been an amazing uh, transformation for us as we try to launch into the 2019 women's summer season and spring season here for the WFA and WNFC, as well as we're covering all the international scene as well. But um, our reach was 12.5 to 14, between 14.6 and 12.5. That was our reach this past um, week, uh, actually the last four weeks. And our engagement is exactly as our followers. We're at almost 6.2 followers about six so we are engaging almost every follower on our facebook page so i want to really thank everybody there uh that comes to the page and and uh, reviews it shares makes comments um just brings more attention to the sport understanding uh that there is women's american football and it's played at a high level not just in the states but internationally as well so uh shout out to everybody that has supported us uh six years running on block talk radio we celebrated that this month and so we're more more excited for that at anything. So uh, you guys are listening to the best podcast in the world that talks Women's American Football Weekly, and you're listening to the best co-hosts in the world. We got renowned individuals that I've brought in here specifically to talk about the women's game, Hall of Famers. We got college football girls. And so everybody that's on this show, we got Junior Pardo now, part of uh, the podcast talking AAF. So um, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn, but reality is we are at that next level, and I'm really excited that we're doing that. So let's bring in our uh, panel here, Louise Bean, uh, Hall of Famer of Utah Falcons, and uh, also college football guru Troy Wilson. So, guys, big, big news, um, kind of a geek moment for me, kind of excited, you know, on a social media platform. So I kind of just wanted to kind of gloat a little bit about the success that we're having, so. Well, that was a good geek moment. That was that was fun. Always celebrate yeah, so your just... successes. Always celebrate your successes, man. So you know, big ups to you and and all the hard work that you put in, and and all of us who contribute, man. We just we're trying to follow you, please. So absolutely, man. I, I'm happy for you, brother, because I know I know how hard you work and how much you put into it. So uh, we all appreciate you. I concur. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, thanks, Troy. Um, so I want to just give you guys some insights. Analytics is kind of like my big thing, as I'm still with this geek moment that I am. Uh, analytics are big, so especially on social media. Uh, Mr. Wilson here is the most listened individual 
with our gauging in terms of podcast. So we get a gauge as to, you know, it's kind of like a, a meter. You know how you get the stadium sound that's happening in the stadium and the decimals that go up. So every time Troy speaks, uh, the decimals go up. Uh, not in, not including myself and everybody else, but so technically everybody is on uh, p- uh, pins and needles when uh, Mr. Wilson's talking, especially when he's talking <laughs> college football. Or so um, that right there is kind of a gauge as to how you know we elevate our awareness and how people are really engaging. It's a really good tool to kind of figure out what the audience is really diving into. So uh, you know, kudos to you, Troy, for like being so insightful and everything, and people really driving diving into it. Good job, hey, Troy. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate the love, man. You know, this is the, you know, when I come on this show, this is the only place that people come to listen to me because, you know, in my household, <laughs> nobody listens to me. Nobody does anything I tell them to do. So I appreciate We got to talk to the wife and his kids. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate all the listeners for, for at least listening to me and giving me the love. So I appreciate that, y'all. Troy, you got to announce that yeah. at your house. You got to yeah, let them seriously. know. We can do an intervention, you know, I, Troy, I, if you want. I did say that, and you know what? The first thing they said was, of course, Dad, of course, everybody listens to you. And I just paused for a minute, and everybody just started laughing. So, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know they don't listen to me. But, again, I appreciate so, that, y'all. So, Troy, it's official, okay? You can actually replay this. and Okay, it came out from my mouth. So, it's not like you're <laughs> tooting your own horn. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. All right, guys. Um, just before we came on right now, uh, Troy, as everybody loves to, you know, to hear you, um, the NFL, I guess, is going to consider non-calls and pass interference calls by coaches in 2019. It's not official yet, but from Schefter and everybody else and Mortensen. So uh, what's your take on that? You know, um, so the NFL spent a lot of time the last 14, 15 off-seasons, trying to figure out how to shorten the games, how to make the games go quicker. Um, they've been, you know, I remember when the play clock was at 45 seconds, they dropped it to 40. I mean, they've done a whole lot of different things to try to speed the game up. And what they've done is infinitely extended it. You've already had re- replay, which some people love, some people really hate it. Uh, it's like it really slows the game down because the replays take so long. And now what you've done is you've added another aspect to it. Now, I do like it on on, on the surface, okay? What you want to do is you want to get the right call. But are we really going to do this over one call? I mean, we know this is a really over one call, right? I mean, we're overhauling the NFL system, the referee system, over one call that was missed. Now, that call was huge. Now, if I'm a Saints fan, and, and I'm listening to somebody say this, I'm like, you don't even know the half of it because I know right now they, they really can't get that moment out of their head because that was really the moment which stopped them from going to the Super Bowl conceivably. So I get it. But from an overall standpoint, they're going to end up really slowing this game down. Now, I don't know if that's going to include, you know, is that going to be with the current challenge system? Is it going to be a separate um, category for this type of challenge? We don't know, you know, the details haven't really come out yet. I know, you know, things have been thrown around, but nothing official. But I'm just saying, like, from a standpoint, from a longevity standpoint, this is really going to extend the game. And hopefully they can yeah. figure a way to make the calls quicker. If you watch in college football, when they review the plays, 
they take decisions a little bit quicker. It seems like they're more, you know, uh, more engaged and and have a better grasp of how to use the system. So hopefully they can they can find a way to you know um, speed the game up. I mean, excuse me, speed that process up. I don't really like it, but you know I understand why some people would. Well, um, we are going to have three guests today uh, on the podcast, big time guests. We have Dale Gossinger, uh, which is the president of American Football Events, AFEE, AFE. and uh, Luis was out in Cancun with Dale and everybody at AFE, and he'll be talking to us about the evolution of their branding towards the women's game, and we have an event also coming up in uh, Virginia Beach he'll be talking about, and then we have finally got uh, uh, FFA France All-Star and WNFC Seattle Majestics Sylvie Ibish who will be coming in here in about 40 minutes after Dale and of course we got Junior Pardo at the top of the hour talking AAF week um, 7 and preview week 8 and uh, talking about Manziel and everything else going on there um, big 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 news uh, Tops Cards uh, announces they're doing AAF 2019 cards. You can find them pretty much everywhere, Walmart, Target, nationwide. And those cards include uh, Jen Welter, Jennifer King, and uh, Coach Lori Locus. And talking about Coach Locus, she is going to be Buccaneers for 2019, hired by Bruce Arians. Uh, no surprise there, who also hired Jen Welter for internships. So, uh, Bean, big, big moment there this week, cards. And then on top of that, she shifts from the iron and goes directly into off-season NFL mode, especially with the Buccaneers and then Bruce Arian. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, I had read a report that trading cards per se aren't as popular as they were back when I was younger. In fact, I still, I traded cards back then because you got it in your gumball wrapper package. And I remember sitting at recess, and we would trade sports cards. And I actually I got rid of most of them, but I still have about 20 left that I kind of figured I hoped that they were valuable and kind of thought that they, you know, are or will be. And so I still have about 20 left. But um, And I was sold. I mean, I sold the ones that I had. So I had read a report they weren't as popular. But when that came out, I thought, wow, that's 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 relatively kind of a big deal, kind of cool. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and how that promotes the game or makes people notice it. I've, I had been to some camps when um, they call her, you know, Lowe, Coach Lowe, ha- had been a coach at uh, the camps. And now she's a defensive coach, and so I was never with her. Uh, but I have some teammates that just think she is awesome, just love her, so, and a great coach. Um so congratulations to them. And I had read the article where Bruce Arians had had a discussion with his wife, and he just said, you know what, I'm just going to find one that's good, and we're going to hire him. So shout out to him and, and what he believes in. He just feels like inclusion and opportunity is is there, and uh, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy for both of them. And obviously that's probably been a goal for both of them to break into the NFL ranks. So uh, I, I don't know the other lady, uh, but I do know Lo, and she comes highly recommended from the players that I know that had worked with her. Yeah, um, and it's a big time, uh, big time moment. I think in a lot of ways for the NFL because I think Katie's a big moment. 
But I think Lori, uh, uh, Coach Locus brings a lot more credibility because she's been yeah. in the circles with the arena, arena circles as well, you know, on the men's side and over in Pittsburgh and, and Pennsylvania areas. So I think, you know, for me, it's kind of like very, high, very highlighted moment, um, a lot more special than, than, you know, than the other stuff because of the fact that she's put in her time. And it's kind of nice that Bruce Arians recognizes that and given her an opportunity to kind of shine herself that. And she did really well with the uh, AAF iron as well from everything that I've heard. So, you know, credibility is big time there. And she said it on the Bucks beat, which you can get on facebook.com for slash credit views at the hub um, that, you know, she just, she just wants to be treated no different than any other coach. And she's got to put in the work and hopefully, you know, she can contribute and make the Buccaneers a lot better in terms of, you know, getting up to the next level. So congratulations yeah, to her. Yeah, what I was going to say really Go quick ahead. is that she's just someone that has kept her head down and, and worked. She hasn't been out there trying to beat her chest or say she deserves certain things. She went out and she earned it. And any time I was with her at a camp, that's how her approach was. She didn't try and be treated special or differently. She just wanted to work and earn her spot. And so that's how I respect her for that. So. Yeah, well, and I mean, she's a great, great mind. Well, if I, if I may, uh, what a great place for them to land. I mean, when you talk about Bruce Arians, you're talking about one of the most respected minds in the NFL. And so if you are able to learn from, you know, how he, you know, does his job and, you know, and how to get organized and things like that, I mean, what, what a great situation to, to, to be put in. I mean, you know, former AP coach of the year, you know, when he took over for Chuck Pagano up in, uh, in Indianapolis, Coach Pagano, you know, was back in cancer. He took over that team, and they went 9-3 and three and they made the playoffs. I mean, that was Andrew Luck's rookie season. And, and, you know, when he went to the Cardinals, he turned that program around. I mean, in the way he, um, you know, built that Steelers offense. So, I mean, he's a great, respected offensive mind. I felt like, you know, at the back half of when he was with uh, Arizona, he kind of uh, was maybe burnt out and he just needed a break. And I think right now he's refreshed. So I really think, like, what a great place for them to land to. So, I mean, congratulations to them. And, and I, I'm sure they will get a lot out of this experience and, and learn a whole lot. And we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, this is just, you know, every time you, 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 you turn it around, you're seeing doors opening for you know, women in, in the game of football and, and NFL also, and where previously that wasn't the case. And so you see a lot of doors being broken down, and, and hats off to that Tampa Bay organization. It's a class organization, class move, and you really love to see the, you know, the inclusionary um, aspect of how how teams are running their operations. If he turns around uh, the Bucks like he did the Cardinals, uh, Coach Lucas is going to be in a really good position right there because that that would include playoffs and even going further into it. So. Uh, She's put in her time. She's done a great job. And uh, obviously, you know, to credit to her, that she's kind of like uh, Bean says here, she's kind of trekked away, trekked away, and here's the opportunity now. So at the highest level, and she's getting paid. It's not like she's an intern. She's actually part of the staff roster and everything else and, you know, part of the defensive scheme and everything else. So it's a great opportunity for her. Um, the cards you're looking for on the tops, if you guys go get them at Walmart, Target, or wherever else, uh, Coach uh, – Lori Locus's card is number 42 on the on the decade. Number 38 is Dr. Jen Welter, and number 32 is Jennifer King. So if you guys check them out, um, check them out. I'm, I've been looking for them. I went uh, the other day when I heard about it, 
I haven't been able to find a set card, but I'm pretty sure they're probably going to go out. They, they came out on the 22nd. So just take a look at them. If you do get your card, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, they should be able to do something to sign them off or whatever. So let's go into the huddle, you guys. Um, I really want to thank everybody that's gone to this Dazzle shop uh, and taking advantage of our sales. This week, we have a sale, 25% off. Everything at Zazzle.com, forward slash Gridiron Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop, 25% off. Use Spring Savings. Spring Savings with the Z at the end uh, ends on March 27th. Get your latest hoodies, uh, T-shirts, anything else that you want to get at Zazzle.com, forward slash Gridiron Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop. Really appreciate everybody's contributing. Um, get the shirt that Sasha Cruz is wearing or get the hoodie that you got Kelsey Cristiano also sporting, as well as all the stuff that our former uh, athletes and current athletes are sporting, like Lord Evans and Christy Moran as well. So check out the uh, site at Zazzle.com for Square Beauties, and you can get uh, $9 if you pay 10 bucks for the year in the U.S. It's Zazzle Block, and it's free shipping. So let's go into the huddle, and we're going to talk today to the president of the American Football Events, uh, Dale Glossinger. He's coming into the house to talk to us about what's going on in his realms. Hey, Dale, how you doing? Uh, welcome to the Gridiron Blitz. Oscar Lopez here, Troy Wilson, and Luis Bean with you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on the show. Dale, uh, kind of a shift for you guys, right? Exclusively men's uh, kind of driven program, and now we're going into this in, in situation where you're going to women's and a, a good event in Cancun and pretty successful from what we see uh, that happened. Yes, it was a um, – we, we've been in existence. This is starting our fifth year. Uh, we've been doing men's all-star programs both stateside and internationally. Um, this was our 15th event, and uh, it was a surprise for me. Uh, I've been coaching 25 years. It was my first opportunity to work with the women's program, and I was – thoroughly surprised, uh, not just from a, a football X's and O's standpoint, but the athleticism that these girls demonstrate was beyond what I, I truly imagined. And we're excited about the opportunity of what we have moving forward uh, with many more events planned. Dale, uh, the Cancun weather wasn't uh, too bad from uh, what we gathered here from Bean. She's pretty excited. I should probably would have done that yeah, besides it, football. So the venues were good and everything was good. It was definitely warm. Uh, we, we were told that it was actually the three hottest days of the year so far since January 1st. So uh, we tried to pick an early time in the year when it was going to be a little bit cooler, but there was a nice general ocean breeze blowing every day. So even though it was a little bit cool air, it still was pretty hot and, uh, but we, we worked out well. We had uh, a four-hour practice on Thursday and a four-hour practice on Friday and put our game plan in motion and, and executed on Saturday night. And it was amazing how, how well they adapted in such a short time frame. Well, you guys can check out the video. Uh, really well, well done by Steve Weed Media, which is uh, co uh, collaborates with you guys. Uh, you can check it out on the um, Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty site there. So, Dale, um, the women's game is growing internationally. It's growing in the States. Uh, you got two new two leagues in the U.S. that obviously are high caliber, 65, on, 65 teams in one. You got another uh, 14 on another. You got uh, other minor leagues in the, in the States. 
So on the women's side, is that your goal is to, to now you have another event in Virginia Beach, I pre- uh, presume coming up here in July. So is it something that's going to be normal for you guys now, just like you had the men's uh, program going yeah. for the five years? Now it's sort of like this is, this yeah. is another branch? Yes, Oscar. We we plan on actually uh, each year we'll have three men's events and three women's events each year moving forward. We've already pretty much uh, finished out 2019. Um, we'll have a men's event in May in Virginia Beach. Then we'll have a women's event in Virginia Beach in July. The men will be in San Antonio to play against Mexico in August. And then in December, we'll, the men and women will have two different time frames that will be in Costa Rica to play the national team in Costa Rica. So this is an exciting moment for you, but also for the growing sport. We haven't seen international friendlies just like we do in soccer. We see a lot of it in soccer, right? you got international friendlies in soccer. But it's never been done in terms of a league-supported statute, so WFA or WFC and all that stuff. So your, your organization is really unique in that sense because it's kind of like a travel arrangement with accommodations, and at the same time, it's two professionals heading overseas, kind of like what you do with the international events that uh, IFAB kind of puts together. That is true. And the one thing that we wanted to make sure is that we pretty much keep it independent to where it's open for everyone. Um, we had 15 different states that was represented by players, coaches, and staff for the event that we just had in Mexico. And that's about the average that we have each event, whether it's men or the women's event we just held. We represent anywhere from 12 to 15, 16 states and multiple leagues. It's not just uh, affiliated with one particular league. It's truly about just picking, uh, like we just announced the registration for Virginia Beach um, just a few days ago. And we've already had about 260 players to register, women players to register for that event. So, you know, and that, and that has a lot to do with uh, the Cancun trip and, and the mode, the, how it's picked up and started snowballing very quickly. Dale, the uh, feedback we got was really positive. So let's, um, let's get the panel here to kind of pick your brain. So let's start with Bean, who obviously experienced everything that your program is all about in Cancun. Yeah, uh, we talked about it last week. Obviously, it was a great event uh, in all facets. And so I was going to ask Coach, how you doing, by the way? Um, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, glad you could come on. Um, so I was going to ask, first off, how did the whole relationship with Costa Rica come about? Um, the Costa Rica, I actually developed a relationship with Costa Rica eight years ago uh, doing an all-star program with men. And I've continued relationship, and two years ago they actually started a women's national program. So with the same program that I was doing with the men, um, Alejandro Castro, who runs the National Bulldogs team in Costa Rica, they have a men's and women's program, and they were the league champions and national champions last year. So we already developed a relationship to where we can actually do something together uh, for this coming year. Okay. So how would you compare their – you know, I haven't – Oscar and I haven't discussed uh, football in Costa Rica for the women, at least not recently. 
And uh, so how would you compare football in Costa Rica to, let's say, Mexico or America? I mean, America's still king, and when it com- or queen, however you want to say it, when it comes to tackle football and levens. But, uh, yeah, how would you compare it, skill-wise, program-wise? I, 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 li- I like the question. What I think I found out just recently with the Mexico trip, and I think you can uh, attest to this as well, is, it's not about the athleticism. There was a lot of talented athletes on the Mexico team, and that's what we saw when we traveled to Costa Rica years ago. Um, we played them uh, four times. We won three out of the four times against them, Costa Rica with the men's program. But what I've noticed is it's more about the coaching. Um, understanding the X's and O's is one thing, but then being able to teach concepts is a total different thing. I mean, you know and I know we put a pretty advanced offense and defense together for Mexico, and we're running a spread offense, and they're trying to run a five-man front defense. You know, it's <laughs> it was easy pickings for you to know where you were going to throw the ball. So I think that's truly what we've seen is how advanced each country, each place gets when it comes to the coaching aspects. And I will say Costa Rica has stepped their game up uh, when it comes to the coast coaching on the men's side. So uh, I'm looking forward to what that their abilities are putting together the coaching for the women's as we go there in December. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really interesting for sure. Um, okay, so I got three quick questions, and then Troy can have at you. Uh, what right. would you for for uh, Virginia Beach? What would you uh, from, from, taking from your last experience in Mexico, what would you, what did you like the best, and what would you change if you wanted to change something? And then I'll ask you your third question in a second. Um, what did I like the best? Um, I'd say what I liked the best was it brought me back to my roots of coaching uh, because we take it for granted that players are going to understand the concepts because with the men, you know, they've been doing it since they were four or five years old. So a lot of times you can explain something to them and and they get it, they understand it, they understand the concepts. Where with this event that we just had in Mexico, being able to show and understand what we were trying to do concept-wise and then actually seeing it and doing it and executing it was very exciting for me. But I think, as you know, and we all experienced, what's most exciting for me is what y'all got to experience, not just on the field but off the field, and what we did with the kids in the kids' camp and going to the crit and visiting the children in the rehab. And that, to me, is what this program is truly about, uh, is giving back to the community and the humanitarian aid that we provide because, you know, I've been coaching 25 years, and it's truly not just about football. It's about character building. Um, I've helped a lot of players go to the next level and play, and it really came down to what separates them from others, not just on the field but off the field. And I really was happy to see each of you experience that while we were in Mexico. So I would say that would be my thing that I want to make sure moving forward with Virginia Beach, we've already got some great things put in motion in place to do with community events in the Virginia Beach area. Um, what would I change? <laughs> I think the only thing I would say is that now that we have veterans 
they're going to understand our program and be able to help the other players pick up on what we feel is important to the program. And I'm going to ask you to give me the answer. There's only one way to do it, and that's what? Together. Exactly. So that's what I, that'd be the only thing. You know, it took us a day to really understand that concept, but then we really saw it firsthand of how much it changed the whole complexity of our program and how we bonded so quickly. So, Excellent. So my last question is, is since we've got a lot of people that listen, and you said a lot of people have uh, applied, so how do you and whomever, I don't, I don't know, and maybe you can shed light on that, uh, choose your participants? For this event um, we, we, coming up, we'll, we, we'll do it the same way we do uh, on the men's side. Basically, the way it works is generally our veterans will have first choice just because they've been a part of the program. But in our men's event, we never really select a full veterans for each event. We try to split it with half veterans and half new players so that you're continuing to grow your program. Um, so first, your veterans get first choice, and we have a selection committee that's made up of our coaching staff and some of our advisory board members that actually do the reviews of the registration. So we look at the veterans first. Then we go to coaches' recommendation. We reach out to different coaches within the organizations and leagues of the people that have applied to see, you know, number one, and not just the athletic ability, but for us, more importantly, is this a person that you would want represent your organization on and off the field? So it goes to a coach's recommendation. Thirdly, it goes to veterans' recommendations. You know, if, if for example, yourself, you reached out and said, hey, Coach G, I got this player. She's an excellent athlete, but she's also a great person that will understand and really get behind what this program's about. I, re- I recommend her, so it goes to that. And then last, it just goes by what we do as a review uh, you know, were they able to add any film to their, their registration? Um, do they have a profile that we can look at? Um, and that really is how we use our criteria. Uh, and, and then just really uh, sometimes it's just a judgment off of social media. I mean, there's been guys uh, that we've just literally said no because, you know, social media nowadays for football players, more so for the men, can make or break uh, a player to be able to have the ability to play at the next level because social media has killed that opportunity. So, yeah. you know, all our players, we review all their social media. So if we went to somebody's social media and we were like, that's not going to be a good character to represent our organization, then naturally they're not going to get a selection for it. So now some people are going to check all their social media and get rid of any uh, suspect <laughs> posts <Yeah>. probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's very cool. Um, sounds sounds great. Lastly, does every do you have a cutoff date? If people I haven't seen that posted anywhere by the organization, so in case people are wondering, is there a cutoff date? I had someone ask me that, and I said I don't know. Basically, we go by position filled. So when we fill the positions, like you know, how many quarterbacks we need, how many running backs, how many linemen, you know, once we fill the positions, then what we do is we'll go back to the registration and we'll actually put a post out that says hey, we're in need of, you know, six more linebackers or okay. two more offensive linemen, and we try to narrow it down. But once the roster is filled, then we actually – we keep registration open until we actually fulfill the rosters to the needed positions. So, okay. and, and like I said to you a minute ago, it really goes by the criteria. 
So once we know veterans and once we know coaches' recommendations and players' recommendations, you know, it, we've never actually set a closing date to say, okay, registration open on the 1st and it's going to close on the 31st. We've just left it until we actually had the roster full of what we needed position-wise. Okay. Sounds good. And I'm going to kick you off to Troy because Troy's the most listened to uh, person on this podcast as it's been reported. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Troy. Go, man. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Dale? I had one I had one last comment for Bean though. Okay. Yeah. I had players ask me, Do you think Bean will remember what the defensive motto was? There's all that Oh, the blood, blood, blood? <laughs> <laughs> that one? Yeah, I thought How that could was, I forget? Well, that was that what was What makes grass what makes grass grow? Blood, blood, blood. That's the that's the <laughs> Marine guy, uh, Oscar. You would appreciate that. I mean I know oh, you're yeah. an army Oscar, but you know. You get where that comes from. The military, so, yeah, military right Yep. That was was amazing to hear the girls say that. I just I I got a kick out of that. So. Oh, it totally freaked you got me tickled, out Dale. the first time he said it. Totally freaked me is out the this, first time he said it. I'm like, what is that? Like, what yeah, right. is that for our chair? <laughs> I was like, okay. That's a focused I mean, mindset. I, I was I was okay with the uh, you know give give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Yeah, but yeah. Then we, what making grass grow? I was like, oh, I, I didn't know what the answer was going to be. I know. I was totally taken back. And my husband's military, and I, I asked him if he'd heard that, and he's like, no. And he's Army, so he's with Oscar, <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, it was funny. Well, thank you, thank you very much for your questions, and thanks for being a part of it. Oh, you're well. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I applied again, so, you know, that's what we do, Oscar. You apply again. Uh, I correct. can see you out I'm, there. I think I, you've gotten the itch again. Yeah. I'm glad you actually made that comment, Bean, because basically every event, and that's a good one to point out here on the show, is every event we make everyone, all veterans, all players, re-register for each event so that we actually are starting afresh and anew for each event. Oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, yeah. So you're saying that everyone has to apply. Yes. I, I did apply again for all listeners. Yeah. Just I just did the due process. Someone asked me today, they messaged me, and they had applied, and they said, hey, do you have an in? And I said, no. So I said, just apply. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone knows that at least, not, at least I don't have an in. Maybe other people well, have an in, but I'm I don't glad, have an in. I'm glad you said that. We will probably, within the next week or so, actually start sending out invites. So the invitation okay. letters have not been sent out yet. Yes, and for your listeners, that's good to know. So, yeah. Hey, Dale. All right, Troy, you're next, buddy. Hey, Dale, how's it going? It's Troy. Good. Nice to meet you, Troy. Nice to meet you as well. So, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about, you know, the American Football Events uh, Organization that you are the president of. Uh, You know, we want to get a snapshot of of what you guys do um, and and how you help help players and and, uh, everyone involved with the system. We when uh, I was I was actually at an All Star event uh, about ten years ago in Vegas, and I got asked to come and coach as the offensive coordinator for a t- Team USA event that was traveling at that time to Mexico, and then we after that event we went to Costa Rica, and um, 
the one thing I saw about the program after being involved with for about for four years, uh, the program was going to fold due to some behind-the-scenes issues. But anyways, I had an opportunity to, to, to start a program from ground zero. And it was really I wanted to do what will make this program better itself, not just on the field but off the field. So I've been coaching 25 years, and I've seen every aspect of football and the one thing I've noticed, and I, as I said earlier in the statement, was the character building. Um, being able to make an impact in the player's life, not just on the field, but off the field. And, we've, and if we've all had any experience with football, whether it's men or women, because truly we coached them whether they were the same. It didn't matter if they were men or women. They're football players. So we treat them as football players. And what we saw was, there was a very high demand and need for that unity, for that bond, for building that character. And be, to do that, we wanted to make it community-based. So we actually started a nonprofit organization, uh, a registered 501c3, that we should go around and provide community events to give these players an opportunity for exposure off the field and Really, the avenue and the direction to do that was the platform was playing football. So that's kind of how the program started, and it has literally just, from one event to the next, it just has snowballed. Um, we've had players that have gotten opportunities, whether it's arena, whether it's a CFL playing overseas in Europe. We've had players that actually got jobs um, because they went into their interview. They talked about their experience with the American Football Events Team USA, they showed some of the videos that Steve Weed has done on previous events, and it sold itself. And so that's pretty, pretty much what the snapshot. Now, to follow that up, my staff, myself, and several of our actual team members are previous military or previous law enforcement. So we've all had a lot of that discipline, that structure, that organized, that dress right dress to give it that first-class appearance. Uh, and being able to test that, everything we did, whether it was a team meeting, whether we stepped outside into the public, we had the same attire on. We had a dress code for each event we did. Um, you know, the discipline of being on time where you needed to be, that's part of that whole first-class experience. Excellent, excellent. So organizing the events you know, you said this last event was your first one, um, you know, when it went in regards to women. And I, I think being asked the question like that, but I kind of wanted to ask it in a different way. Um, so from your experience with that one, seeing how, you know, initially you didn't, you didn't know what to expect, but now you have a, a better idea of what to expect. How will you approach things differently this time, or is it really going to be more of the same? Uh, truly, it's just going to be more of the same because the one thing I found out was, you know, it's not men or women. It's football players, and that's the way they wanted to be treated. That's the way – that's the respect they want is they don't want it, – it's not a gender thing. It truly wasn't. It was about being a football player, giving them the opportunity on and off the field, and building that that unity, that bond, 
Um, I've been coaching 25 years, and 22 years ago I started a motto that there's only one way to practice, that's what. There's only one way to win, that's what. There's only one way to do it, that's what. And Bean gave us the answer. What was it, Bean? Together. Together. And when we bring that into a program, when you're, when you're only there for five days and four nights and you literally show up, you start a team meeting, you go straight from a team meeting of a meet and greet to socialize, and then you start going into the football aspect, you literally have eight hours of practice to put an offense, a defense together, and be able to compete. On the men's side, most of the programs that we've been playing internationally are university, college football programs. And, you know, they're practicing six days a week. They, you know, have winning seasons, won national champions. It's pretty difficult to put a, a competitive program together in eight hours of practice that can compete with that. And truly we saw that it was no different that whether it was the men's program or the women's program, we treated everything exactly the same, and it's a successful platform. And, you know, as we all know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And it's not broke. It's working very well. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know what, for my final question, especially from a coaching standpoint and from, you know, the leader of an organization, especially when it comes to football, and this has been a, a hot bed topic uh, on our program, and this is more about uh, head injuries. So what is your take on the current state of the game where it's a big emphasis on head injuries and tackling? Do you coach tackling a little bit different than you did, um, you know, when you started coaching? Or right now is it more of a thing where you're concentrating more so on fundamentals? Because, as we know, head injuries and neck injuries, as I said, stated earlier, it's a big emphasis on this. The NFL is changing rules. You also see some companies coming out with different uh, equipment to try to to try to mitigate these things. So I wanted to know what your take is on the head injury situation and how you how you coach the game from that aspect. Great, great question, Troy. Um, I will first respond with it that I did my own research and homework to make sure that. Um, as a program, just to assure ourselves, we wanted to make sure that we were providing each of our athletes that get selected a, a helmet, not just any helmet, but a brand-new helmet that was certified that um, would have a great response behind it. And so uh, we signed a deal with Zenith, and we are proud to be a member with Zenith in a partnership that every member of our organization, when they step on the field, has a brand-new Zenith helmet. Um, I was at a coaching conference many, many years ago when Zenith first hit the market, and the rep that was there, he took an egg, a raw egg, and taped it to the inside of the helmet with a piece of duct tape, laid it on the floor, and started beating the shell of the helmet with a baseball bat. It never Whoa. cracked the egg. So that impressed Whoa. me with the helmet aspect, but from a – coaching aspect, I will say that I have changed what we started, you know, as kids in my 25 years ago of how we tackle, and and it still goes to the fact that we've got to make sure that we're not targeting, that we keep the head up, the neck up. We don't leave with the head. We leave with the shoulder. So those are the things that I'm making sure that we pay attention to is and as you said, more of the fundamental of being able to understand of the proper techniques of 
making sure where the head is at in relation to the body. Um, it is a hot topic. Uh, one of the things we've noticed internationally, Troy, is especially in a lot of these uh, second and third countries, uh, is the lack of helmets they have. You know, they, they've got old Rydell shut. They've got everything under – I've seen Rawlings. I've seen everything under the sun that – Truly, it's not much protection left because it's, you know, 15, 20, 25-year-old helmets. So, you know, it's it's an important topic both stateside and internationally that we can do what we can to protect the players as much as we can. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you taking my questions. Um, you know, this has just been it, – it's been great listening to the stories of Bean has come back. She's told us all that, you know, went well with the event and how successful it was. And, and you know, we've heard a, a slew of events that didn't go so well. So when we hear that the events did go well and, and everyone who participated, uh, they really enjoyed themselves. It's a great thing. So you make it a great name for yourself out there. And we definitely appreciate you coming on. So thanks for taking my questions. Thank you very much, Troy. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's still a, a progress, and it's still a uh, we still got plenty of uh, hurdles to overcome and, and things to do to make it even better. But um, we truly feel blessed to be able to provide the opportunities that we've provided uh, for all players on and off the field. So thank you for your time. All right, Dale. Uh, let everybody know where they can get hooked up for the next event, July 24th through the 29th. It's AFE Women's uh, All Star Event. That's going to happen in Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia, right? That is correct. It'll be July 24th through the 28th in Virginia Beach. Um, we have it is the All American Bowl. Uh, you can go to our website at uh, afeteamusa.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, if nothing else fails and you just want to send an email to get more information, you can send that to our general manager, our team manager, Sandy, at afeteamusa at gmail.com. And we'll be sure that you're pointed in the right direction of where you need to be to register for the next event. All right. So, Dale, keep us informed. Uh, message us. Uh, I know we've been going back and forth on Messenger as well. So just let us know what's, uh, how we can help out and spread the word, obviously, because our focus is really awareness. We're just getting the word out. So your event looks like it's very good, a good event and a staple event, especially going international and, and branching out. And a lot of the programs internationally, I, I know for a fact, are appreciative of your efforts as well to spotlight not just their country, but the sport in general and that's what the women's game really needs is the awareness of it. So we really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Oscar. I appreciate you reaching out and the time that y'all helped to uh, spread the word for us. And, you know, we want to do more internationally. And so we, we've already had several other countries that have already messaged us and reached out to us. And we look forward to growing the program uh, more internationally, especially with the amount of teams and the different leagues that are here in the States. And, you know, I was exposed to women's football about 10, 12 years ago, and uh, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed being a part of it, but I'm even more excited to be a part of it now with the program that we put in place. So I will be sure to stay in touch with you and, and share any information that we have um, to spread out. Awesome. No no worries there, Dale. Just let us know, and we'll get it out to our 20, 
20K listeners out there on all platforms. So good reach for you as well. And it's good for us to let everybody know that what you're able to do with the program as well. So uh, congratulations on the Cancun event. We look forward to the event coming up here, the All-Star event on July 24th to the 28th, AFE Women's All-Star event. And you get details. Uh, Once again, what's the uh, website they can go to? AFETeamUSA.com. There we go. Thank you, Dale. Have a great uh, evening. Uh, We'll keep in touch and uh, more continued success for the AFE. Thank you, Oscar. And uh, thank you, Troy. And thank you, Bean. You're welcome. Thank you. You got it, Troy. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, guys. uh, We are finally going to have the uh, French all-star from uh, the Dragons de Paris and the uh, WNFC Seattle Majestics. And in the house, we have Sylvie Ibish, uh, also known as OB7. And Sylvie, how's it going? Really good. Hi, Oscar. How are you doing? Hi, Holly. How are you guys doing? How are you doing today? Uh, Yeah, we can hear you well. Sylvie, how is Seattle for you? How's it been? Exciting? From all the pictures I see, it's been pretty good. Amazing, amazing. I will, uh, I've experienced uh, so many things so far. I've experienced the snow and the premises of the summer, so uh, I've been blessed for that. And uh, really uh, quite a lot of activities already with the Seattle Majestic, uh, the training camp, uh, uh, really good at practices together, some team activities. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a roommate with uh, Jules McComas and Cody Fuller uh, in, t- in the International House of Football here in Kent. So, uh, yeah, I'm blessed. Everything is going really well. Well, um, Obi, uh, it's been kind of a ride for you, so give us a little perspective of, uh, you know, the, the France uh, evolution of the women's game, the Challenge Feminine, and then obviously now it's grown a little bigger. You got Christy, uh, Christy Baby out there. You got uh, Sarah Viola. There's a lot of other names besides yourself that are pretty good standouts on the molasses. So kind of give the listeners a little bit perspective of what the French game is right now, what its current state is. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I'm really excited uh, to tell you uh, as a worldwide premiere that I found out the genesis of women's football uh, a few months back, a few months back in uh, last fall. I, uh, digging down, I actually uh, um, realized that in 2006 was the beginning of women's football in France, as we all thought it was in 2011. Um, so that was a good sound. There was uh, some players back in the day from more than 10 years ago, uh, 12, 13 years ago, that uh, tried to make it happen. Uh, Sylvie Routier was the instigator of, of all that. And there were quite a lot of players, around 20 players all around the country, uh, trailblazers that at the time that were playing with guys and uh, fighting to exist. So first of all, I wanted to uh, say that because nobody knows it. I just found out about that, and that's pretty exciting to get back to the roots. And, uh, and yeah, so five years later, in 2011, uh, there was the creation of the first uh, full team, the Sparkles. That was also in the region of Paris. And uh, at the time, there was no other team to go against in France. So uh, in May 2012, uh, we crossed the whole country by bus to go play against Team Spain in Madrid. 
And uh, after that season, um, many other teams emerged. The Santor of the Grenoble, the Vikings, the Villeneuve d'Ascq. And uh, many games got played within the country and against Polish and German teams. Uh, all the scores uh, are on uh, footballamericainfemina.com. I just uh, digged into that and I uh, put all the scores up there. That's uh, the website uh, to have news on uh, French football. And then uh, the Challenge National, the one you were talking about, it's our current state of championship, our league, uh, if you want to put it that way. It started in 2015, and it's all across the country, so it's a national tournament with 10 teams separating two conferences, North and South. And it kept pretty much the same structure throughout the seasons, more or less. <clears throat> and for now, uh, the Molos won every single time. Uh, the Dragons, the team I'm part of uh, and that I created, uh, started uh, to play in 2016. We are in the same uh, conference as the Molos, so we uh, we unfortunately uh, lose uh, to them in the conference final every year. And uh, so it's our great rival, but also an ally because we play together in the regional team against the rest of France. But yeah, that being said, uh, after that many years, so four editions in the same format, this year is a bit different. So uh, there are kind of two tournaments in one. Uh, now the region of Paris, which concentrate the higher level of football, um, for now at least. Uh, six teams are playing against each other. So uh, the Diablo Rouge, the Dragons of Paris, the Flash, the Molos, the Leopard, that are from Normandy, and the Vikings that are from the north of France. Uh, they all play together in a tournament. And the rest of France, so four other teams, the Lyon-Bordeaux, uh, the Mariners of Vannes, which is in Brittany, uh, Argonauts and uh, Blue Stars of Marseille and the Southeast, so the French Riviera, and, and the Rhône-Alpes team, the Alpine Thunders, they all play in another tournament. So we reached to a point where we have, as you said, really good talent. Uh, we've been playing for many years now. Um, so we have really good talent that could bring football up a level and solidify it. I think we have reached a point where we need a national team also because we have the players to do so um, on both sides of the ball. Uh, uh, key players that can definitely good, do good in uh, the European Championships, for example. We just reached to a point where uh, we need to determine how we're going to go next, you know. Um, this year is a bit special because of the separation of these two tournaments. It's two different levels trying to bring the other part of France to the same level as the um, region of Paris, kind of. So we don't, we not all agree on how things should have been done. So now it's a lot of discussion, you know, between the French Federation and all the players, uh, all the, I mean, all the key, the, the teams, you know, to try to figure out how we're going to go from now on, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a change, a switch is going to be done, and we'll see how it's going to go on in the future, you know. All right, Sylvia, I'm going to have uh, uh, Luis Bean here, championship quarterback, and 
from Utah Falcons. And she's going to chime in and ask you some questions. Yes. Hey, Sylvie. Awesome. How you doing? Really good. And you? Good. You know, I've actually traveled to France a couple times in my life and uh, love the country. Very beautiful. I've been to Paris and then also southern France along the Riviera and Normandy and all those kind of fun places. So Mont-Saint-Michel. So great country. Nice. Um, great. So how how did it work out that you ended up coming to play in Seattle and how did how were you able to like did you get a green card or how did that all work out? Cuz I had we had a French so, girl that wanted to come play for the Falcons and it didn't work out like with the country's laws or whatever she was trying to do. So I'm just curious how it worked out for really? you guys. Okay. Uh who was the girl that was trying to come? Just like you really Oh my gosh. I I I, I of course, you guys have, like, French names, so I'd have to go look okay. her up. <laughs> she plays okay. flag and plays quarterback on some team over there. And she's on, like, the national flag team. Uh, I'm friends with her on Facebook, and um, good heavens. You talk and see if I can I can find her. Okay. Well, uh, just if, you, if your, her name comes up, just let me know, and I can okay. discuss with her. Uh, okay. Just by curiosity, we all know each other anyway in France, and yeah. you guys know each other here, so uh, it would be fun to know. Well, yep. uh, yeah, I've reached a point where uh, this is going to be my 10th season. So uh, I played three years in Sparkles, four years in Dragons, uh, the team I created in France, and two seasons in Finland uh, with the Senayoki Crocodile. And I realized when I was there that that's what I wanted to do in life, just play American football, well, football, as you call it. And um, I had the best time there. Uh, my level of play gone so up, uh, being able to focus uh, 24 hours 7, you know. So uh, I knew I had to um, to challenge myself more, uh, to see uh, how good I could be, you know, the best uh, football player I could be. So uh, it uh, just kind of resonated right. That was a good time to do it. So, um, so yeah, I just decided to come to the States. I have some friends in your team, actually, so that was the consideration. But uh, you were such a you good team. You mean on the Falcons? And you yeah, the you Falcons. Said uh, oh, okay. Like, who do you know? Jasmine was a crocodile in Finland years ago. Oh, that's so, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense uh, to consider coming with you. And I've played with Sarah Galicia at the oh, World, yeah. uh, World Games, and she's oh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I uh, really considered that. But you guys win all the time. So uh, I kind of <laughs> wanted to get into the team where I could uh, bring something, you know, and try to build from that and challenge sure. you guys. So uh, I looked up okay. some different teams and uh, did some tryouts in November. So I went around the countries and, and meet different teams. And uh, I ultimately chose uh, Seattle. And uh, it worked out really well. I mean, I, I didn't get a green card. I, I uh, had a six-month visa, non-working visa. As a start, okay. we'll see how it's going to work for the, for the future seasons. Uh, so, yeah, it's a lot of you have to plan it beforehand, obviously, because it's a lot of money you need to save to be able to stay here for six months without working. Without working, it's yeah. It's a challenge. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a oh my gosh. So you're, visa, you're so. not allowed to work, right? No, we are not allowed to. 
Yeah. Okay. So wow. the visa is called B1, B2, so it's a tourist visa. Okay. Uh, if you are a recognized athlete, you can go for the O. But, uh, I mean, we need to push forward and bring the football to a certain level for uh, for us to be able to apply to that one first. So. Okay. Wow. I hope I answered well, your question. Yes, you did. That was great. So, uh before I turn it over to Troy, so what's been your favorite thing so hard so far, and what's been the hardest thing so far? What do you mean in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. It, with living in the states, playing football, that whole realm. What's been? I guess you know in the football aspect. Let's do football aspect. What's been your hardest thing, so or your favorite thing, and then all your your hardest thing? Well, my favorite thing was uh, to give uh, to just do that on a daily basis. You know. Uh, here in Seattle, we have the FSP facility where um, college players prepare for the draft and where NFL players train during the off season. And I've been pretty lucky to uh, train there every morning for the last month um, and train on the side with uh, a QB coach and um, a sport psychologist uh, to get my game up. And, I mean, that's what we want. Um feel professional, you know, and we want to push towards that. So uh, that has been really great. Uh, I came for these reasons, uh, to try to get the best coaching around me uh, to help me thrive. So I really like that. And uh, obviously being with the team and getting to know them because I'm really excited about the season that's coming ahead of us. And, yeah, well, for the most difficult well, I guess the same things, you know, like it's difficult. Uh, being a full-time player is a lot of work. It's really tiring. So it was finding the right balance between training a lot and resting and taking care of your body, uh, eating right. And obviously you want to learn the playbook, uh, get mental reps, watch tape. So uh, it's just basically finding the balance before uh, the season that is coming in two weeks not overdoing and being rested enough to be focused. So, yeah, pretty much, I think. Uh, well, nothing negative so far except for that. Okay. Well, that sounds like that sounds like a great schedule, actually. No work to Oscar. That's a good deal. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, seriously. Hey, I, saw, I found the name. Before I kick you off to Troy, I found the name of the girl. Her name's Elisa D-S-N-T-S. Yeah, uh, it's Elisa Desantis. Yeah, uh, she plays flag in France and she plays in Italy too. And okay. she's been on and off receiver and quarterback for the Molos. So okay. cool. She wanted to yeah. come this season. She cool. wanted to no last season. She wanted to come um, to play for the Falcons. However, she couldn't do it without working. So that makes sense to me now. She couldn't just come for six months and not have a job. And so that was the problem because she couldn't afford it, like you are, where you're saying you're on you're on a non-working visa. So that makes sense. Oh, yeah, now I don't know really all cool. the rules. Yeah, I don't know all the guidelines and rules. I just know that that was why she couldn't come, and she really wanted to come. So, anyways, good luck to you guys. So, thank you. Thanks a lot. You betcha. Good luck to you too. Hopefully, hey, we meet in the postseason. There you go. Thanks a lot. 
Well, Sylvie, uh, let me bring in Troy here to kind of pick your brain. So, uh, Troy, uh, Sylvie, uh, big-time all-star in France, now going to be part of the WNFC Seattle Majestics in the inaugural season. Hey, Sylvie, how's it going? Really good, and yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you for asking. So, my first question, I wanted to know how you got into tackle football. I'm always intrigued about you know, how our, you know, our fellow football players, how they originally got into playing the game of tackle football. So tell me your, your, your story. Yeah, well, uh, not being American, uh, obviously you don't come across uh, football as easily as here, you know. So uh, we kind of know the game from far, you know, uh, maybe think it looks cool, but don't know much about it. And uh, when I was uh, writing my end-of-master thesis, uh, you know, when you sit the whole day at your, uh, at your desk thinking you're going to work from 6 a.m. to midnight, uh, I, got, I discovered Friday Night Lights, the series, the TV show. And I just binge-watched that for two months instead of writing my uh, thesis. My thesis went fine, so no problem about that. It went really good, actually. But uh, I just, yeah, I just uh, discovered the game really, like not only what you see on TV, but actually what it means, uh, the values of the game, the camaraderie uh, that was really strong in me, you know. And uh, obviously, being the best uh, you can be, uh, fighting on the field with your teammates, uh, working uh, to reach a common goal. That really spoke highly to me, and uh, I just fell in love, literally. And I said, whenever I'm done with this thesis, uh, I'm just going to go play straight away. And it worked out fine. Uh, as soon as I did, I found the sparkles. I just started that year, and I never looked back ever since. And uh, I've done everything I could to keep on playing, and playing more at a higher level. I did all the camps in Europe. I came to the World Games in the, the U.S. two times, and uh, and now I'm lucky and I'm blessed to be able to do that full-time here in the States. So, in other words, you have become a football addict, just like the rest of us. I love it. Exactly. I love it. That's yeah. just great. So, well, exactly so do you have I mean, any... No, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, in France, I became a, a coach. I'm a the offensive coordinator and head coach for boys 14 to 16 years old. I've uh, been a ref too. Just uh, ev- like everything. As much football I could get, I was going to. So, uh, yeah, became an addict for sure. I love it. I love it. So, so tell me about the opportunity that, you know, um, did you – Asked to come to Seattle? Did Seattle reach out to you? Like, how did that process go as far as you getting out to Seattle and playing for the Majestics this season? Well, um, as I said, I um, I played in the World Games uh, in the at the New Orleans Saints facility and in Orlando at the Pro Bowl uh, two years ago. And you come across players, you know uh, that that. Those events are awesome because you realize uh, we all have the same passion uh, around the world. We all face the same difficulties, you know, and fight for the same thing. So uh, those events are really great. And I met the quarterback of the Seattle Majestic, Rachel Woods. 
and she was great. Uh, she seemed like uh, her values were mine. And so that's the first person I reached out to when I thought of coming to play here. And she said that uh, the San Diego Surge were looking for a new quarterback that I could try out there also. And I have some friends who are living in Los Angeles, so I tried out for uh, the Bobcats there too. And I have a, a friend, a British player, Holly Davis, that plays for the Kansas City Titans. And she said, we have a great organize, organization, great team, and we're looking for a quarterback too. So I pretty much arranged a, a trip around the States uh, in November, training uh, in Los Angeles and then uh, touring the teams. And, uh, yeah, I met, I met the coaches, I met the players, and they were all great organizations. And I just picked what seemed right for me at the time. That's where that's how I ended up in Seattle. I love it. It's just you know, it sounds like you had an amazing time just trying to figure out the process as far as where you wanted to go and and, and it sounds like, you know, you really um took a bit of time to figure out where you fit in best. So I I'm I'm assuming that and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that camaraderie uh was really the um, what kind of made you help you make your choice? Was the camaraderie that you felt with the Seattle Mythics and their teammates? Well, I had, like, uh, good feelings about all the teams. Uh, I mean, Kansas City has been amazing to me. They've been really great, and I really, uh, really like how they're treating me there. But, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I had good feeling here in Seattle, and... Uh, you know, I kind of believe that things happen for a reason and for the best. And at the last second, before I made my choice, uh, I just asked for a sign, and it was pretty clear that I had to come here. So that was also part of the decision. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Camaradri, sorry, um, it's definitely what I really remember the most uh, on my football years. Obviously, you like the game, but, I mean, we all come from different backgrounds, really different uh, experience of life. We all like different things. We might have different works, different jobs, I mean. And at the end of the, ta- of, the, of the day, a team is made of all these different personalities, and we all come together despite the differences to work together to, for a common goal. And that's was, that is what amazed me the most about the game, and that's what I love to do the most getting together and working together. So uh, I will remember, obviously, the thrill of the game, but the moments with uh, my teammates are definitely was going to stick the most. So, uh, yeah, I felt, really, I felt good with the Seattle Majestics. I think we have a great team. I really get along with everybody. And I think there is a lot to figure out for us to thrive together, and I'm excited about that because that's what I like to do figuring it out, how we can get together as a team. And I'm excited to make it work. And so my, my last question is, you know, being that you, you know, uh, you know, really an offensive, you, you, you said you coached for offense before, what's really your favorite aspect of offense? Is it passing? Is it running the ball? Is it, you know, the physical, is it, is it just out physically another team? What is your favorite aspect of the offensive side of the ball? 
Well, obviously, as a quarterback, I like to pass because uh, that's when the the, the fun happens. Um, but uh, as a quarterback, um, what I like is uh, that the offense is like a Swiss clock, you know, uh, when you open up a clock and you see how everything connects and works. Uh, that's what's fascinating about it because I love playing defense. I'm a free safety also. Uh, I think it's really relaxing for me for me to play defense because uh, it's pure reaction, uh, rushes of adrenaline every time you tackle, every time you get the ball. And I love that so much, uh, the defensive side. And what I like in the offense and that really gets me going is when you find how the Swiss clock works, when you every everybody works in harmony, you know, and you make everything click. And that's when everything uh, everything works fine, and uh, you get it going. So uh, what pumps me is to find that find that harmony, find that reason when everybody's on the same page. And I mean, running backs need to run, all I need to block. I can have fun with the receiver passing, but at the end of the day, it's a team sport. So we all want to work together, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey. Listen, Sylvie, I really appreciate you taking my questions. Glad you made it on. Welcome to the States. I know you're going to have fun out there in the inaugural season for the WNFC. Um, you know, my girl out there, Holly, she's going to be chopping wood with you. So, you know, I'm rooting for you guys. Definitely want to see you guys come out on top. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you again, Sylvie. Thanks a lot, Coach. Have a good one. Sylvie, um Pretty exciting season uh, with Adidas, Riddell, uh, you know, everything happening with the WNFC. Uh, everybody's getting hyped, right? Are you hyped? Are you getting hyped right now for the season kickoff Just so people can see a brand-new oh, yeah. style of football, high-level football and all oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm really uh, hyped about that. I'm really hyped to see if things are moving forward, you know, and uh, – that's uh, that's also why I'm here. I mean, at a certain point, I I believe women uh, deserve the same attention as as men, you know. And I really want to push forward to create new breeds of athletes. You know, uh, we are not lucky enough to be able to do that all the time, like men's do. You know, uh, we have to fight for so many things, and we still have life uh, on the side. You know, we work. Uh, we are some are moms, some are married, you know, and and I mean it's a lot of work uh, to be the best you can be when you have all that on the side. So I'm here also to push forward and uh, make it make it uh, look good, you know. We want to be pros. I think that's what women deserve this, uh, as much as the men. So I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped to be uh, to make a difference out there and to show uh, women can play as hard and as good as the men. And I'm really pumped to see uh, the change because uh, I'm pretty sure there will be change and uh, we all be actresses in that, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a great great season. I think overall, I think the first, se- it's the first season uh, because of the fact that it's so highly hyped. You know, we got the, we got the sponsorships. We got everything going for it. Now it's really going to be about, you know, the performance of the athletes on the field to showcase exactly high-level women's American football on the field. Uh, we've yes. seen it in international competitions, but now it's kind of like in the States here, it's sort of like you have to prove it. So uh, Seattle is, you know, Seattle's been 
very good, very good organization, a long time in different leagues. So, you know, we look forward to obviously seeing Holly yourself and obviously Gabby, we just came over from Baffle Women too. So kind of an international flair with the Majestics. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we've been lucky to have international players come in, uh, uh, really good organization already. Uh, I think we can bring that. Uh, 24 hours 7 commitment that unfortunately local players can't yet and um, I mean now it's on us like I mean all the players of the league to step up and if we really want to get pro sure we can do it you know like pay attention to details how we treat our body how we prepare in every aspect of the game Uh, just behave like pros you know Um, if we want to be pros we just have to behave like that so uh, Hopefully everybody takes it really seriously. Uh, it doesn't mean it cannot be fun at the same time. I think actually that's how it's going to get fun when you play good, you know, and you feel good. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, everybody has to step up and believe we can do it and we're going to make it happen. Well, Sylvie, it's been a pleasure finally get to talk to you. I know we've been messaging for, you know, a couple of years now. Uh, you supplying us uh, all the information uh, in terms of the French and all the uh, things that are evolving in France. So congratulations to you, to the Dragons at Paris, uh, the FFFA, and now the excitement that we're going to be watching you week to week for the next summer, this coming summer, in the WNFC. So we're all pumped and ready for you to make that impact in Seattle. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I still need to work, but uh, I'm definitely going to bring my best uh, in, uh, in two weeks in Los Angeles. I'm pretty pumped. All right, Sylvie, thank you for making the time. Yeah, thanks for making the time. We'll talk to you probably in a couple weeks. We're going with the season, bring you back on if that's okay with you, and then we'll kind of just kind of recap us how the WNFC season is going to be going for us. So we're all excited for April 6th and the kickoff that's happening. Yeah, of course. I would be definitely happy to come back and talk to you guys. Thanks so much for uh, this podcast and bringing light uh, on the women's football and uh, allowing me to talk here. Uh, I'll be happy to talk to you again. And, uh, yeah, have a good one until the 6th of April. All right, Sylvie, uh, say hi to Julie for me. Uh, appreciate that. And then, obviously, Holly out there. So, go Majestics. Yeah, thank you. Go Majestics. I will. Bye. All right, Troy, there you go. Uh, Sylvie, uh, all-star, international all-star, played in Finland, played in France, and now bringing her A-game to, uh, you know, the rain city in Seattle with the Majestic. So kind of excited to see how she's going to impact the uh, Seattle scene. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it seems like they're just stockpiling all-stars and Hall of Famers up on that team. So I want to see how they chop it up down there. I mean, Seattle is is solid. Uh, Obviously, they got uh, Holly out there and her defensive presence. So I want to see how they they, uh, navigate through this first season. So I I love the talent that they have up there. So I want to see how they all put it together. Two weeks. So they're ranked in the middle of the pack. Yeah. They're ranked in the middle of the pack, so that they, they, they are obviously hungry to get to that top level. So it uh, looks like uh, she's going to make an impact. She was really impactful in Finland, uh, obviously very impactful in her homeland. And now it's going to be a situation where she's going to just, you know, make another impact here with Gabby Knobs from Baffa Women. You got uh, the Australian, uh, also Australians coming over. So you have a, a lot of international flair in the rain city. So let's, uh, Troy, let's jump into 
Manziel World. And let's go into uh, talk to Junior Pardo of AFF Extended. Uh, Junior, what's going on? No, no, I'm How you doing? I'm doing great, Junior. Um, a Manziel, not too bad, huh? No, not bad at all, man. Three, three for five for sixty yards. Uh, didn't throw any touchdowns, but it's okay. It was that that was suspected. His first first game back, you know, in the state. Uh, I I think it's gonna take a little while for him to get adjusted. But for now, I mean, Brandon Brandon Silvers, man, that's that's the guy from Memphis. Seems like. Hey, Junior, uh, PR stunt worked. I guess you can check it off. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Hey, Junior, uh, I wanted to ask you about that, too. Uh, you know, look, Silvers, he looked he looked very good out there, right? You know, he was solid. Yeah. His numbers were solid. He didn't turn the ball over. It looked like he operated the offense with efficiency. But, listen, this isn't your normal football you know, terminology, you know, the best guys, you know, get out there and play. There is another aspect with the AAF, and let's be, you know, very clear, Johnny Manziel is a guy that will put the put butts in the seats. Do you think that Memphis will try to get Manziel out there to start? Will he kind of overtake Silvers, even though Silvers has been playing well? And how do you think that will sit with that locker room? Because that's an interesting dynamic. Money comes first. And they have they struggle a little bit when it comes to finances. And my Manziel gets people in the seats, and also he allows people to get you know he, he's going to move the needle when it comes to uh, you know TV viewership. So do you think they're going to push for Manziel to be out there a little bit more? Well, the team might might try to push for him to be out there because well, not the team. I'm sorry. I'm going to say the coaches will try because at this point in the year, I think. They in their minds the season is lost. You know, might as well just scrap it and and just send it to week ten, whatever, end the year, and re, you know rebuild for next year. But for right now, I think management would like that. Would like to have attendance in the seats because Memphis is is not a a, a very hot market with uh with the fans in attendance wise. So yeah, I think management would like to have uh. More attendance, more money coming in, more revenue uh, in ticket sales. Uh, the team, I don't know how the team will feel about it because Mansell just just came in last week. This was his first game. Play a couple, uh, play a couple of uh, couple of snaps. I think it was five of them. But Brandon Silvers ultimately led them to a win, and and to a team that's what matters. To a team wins is what matters. They don't they don't really care about the politics of football as much as management in the front office would. So, I mean, I don't know how it's going uh, to how it's going to sit with the team. Maybe they'll have a split locker room if if they allow Johnny Mansell to get in there without proving himself first, at least, you know, prove himself that he can win the the starting gig for now. Still there, Troy? I don't know if he dropped off. Um Junior, uh, the commanders continue to ride. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, 19 to 15 win over the hot shots, yes. So what do you see there? I mean, that, that you think they're going to have that stride? Because they're uh, basically, they're, you said they own the West right now. Unless somebody else is going to really step up here. The San Diego's, you know, San Diego's kind of disappointing in the last uh, couple weeks here. 
And this past week, it was really this, kind of the same. Yeah, I think I think San Antonio, uh, they're going to they're going to be the ones to to go into the West and 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 steal it off for them. Uh, they are going to end up being in the championship game. I believe it's going to be versus the uh, my belief versus the Apollos. And I think the West is is, is an interesting picture right now uh, because of so many teams with uh, such close records, you know. So I mean, I, I, yes, the Commanders right now are sitting on, on first place, but I, I would like to see I would like to see more from from the Hot Shots and the Fleet. Junior, hey, uh, the question. struggles with the with the uh, the struggles with the iron that we talked about Richardson and making it happen, and it, I think that's what happened this this past week is just they didn't have enough offense to really, and then Memphis gets going like uh, twice pointing with with Silver, so. Um, that's going to be a problem going forward. Yeah, and the commanders, again, they rely a lot on their defense. But offensively, we saw what happened this week when Memphis, who's, who has a very good defense, uh, gets, gets together, you know, and, and plays up to good good standard of football. And, and we saw that in the third quarter versus the Iron when they held the Iron to only three points in the third quarter. Memphis took over that game in the second half to, to tie it up and eventually send it into the first over, overtime in AAF history. Hey, I had a, I had a Go ahead, question sir. about... Um, yeah, so, you know, going from one quarterback controversy to another one with, with now with uh, San Antonio... Um, that's going to be an interesting. Um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Woodside gets hurt. In comes Marquise Williams, and I'm very familiar with Marquise Williams. He used to be the quarterback at North Carolina. He was a three-year starter there, and there was a reason why Mitch Trubisky didn't even get on the field until his final year at North Carolina. It's because Marquise Williams is so good. Uh, he's got the legs for it. He's got an underrated arm. Uh, he's more of an athlete, but he does know how to run an offense. He got a chance up in Minnesota. And I'm not sure what's going to happen if Woodside comes back. I just really like the way that Marquise Williams moves the offense, and I love how his team responded to him, you know, being that dual threat. So do you think there's going to be a quarterback controversy going forward uh, with Marquise Williams uh, and, and, uh, and Woodside? I would I'll say no, because Logan Woodside has has been in the driver's seat this whole entire time for seven weeks. He's only lost two games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two two games. Yeah, uh, and there, there's no reason why there should be any quarterback controversy, because like I said, Logan Woodside he's been very effective, a very effective quarterback one of the best quarterbacks in the West, in my opinion. Uh, this, I want to say he's the best quarterback in the West, although Johnny Wolford is having a very good year as well. But in my opinion, Logan would say he's the best quarterback in the West. And, yes, Marquis Williams came in, and he played, uh, he played very well after uh, Woodside went down with the injury and even touched his first touchdown uh, in pro football right here in the AAF. But I don't think there will be a, a quarterback controversy unless the, – the only way I can see Marquise Williams taking over the reins is if 
Woodside cannot make a comeback, you know, for the rest of the year. So no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a controversy should should ensue in San Antonio. Still there, Troy? I think he's cutting uh, in and out. I don't know if it's... The... Go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, so yeah there was a battle in the West, Arizona and San Diego, and the winner goes in the second place behind San Antonio. And, you know, Arizona came out on top of this one. How do you see that battle playing out down the stretch between Arizona and San Antonio? And and I, and I agree with you. I think with Woodside, um, he is a better quarterback. But you, it's a great thing to have two good quarterbacks back there. But if Woodside can't go, how do you, how confident are you going forward that San Antonio can hold that lead over Arizona? I, I'm very confident because, like, very confident because, like you said, Marquise Williams, he's a dual threat quarterback, and that uh, that puts more pressure on the Arizona defense to have to adjust not only to the passing ability of Marquise Williams, but also his running ability. And you can only take away either one or the other. You will never be able to fully take away both on a, on a dual threat quarterback. So I still will give San Antonio the edge. And also because the San Antonio has the better defense in the West. So to me, all around, I give San Antonio the, the edge over Arizona hot shots. Now with the hot shots, after this last win, you know, Wolford, he was very efficient out there, 15 and 19. He had 212 yards, two touchdowns. you think they can keep that going forward? I also want to get your take on, you know, they had Wolford out there, but then every now and then they'll throw Trevor Knight out there, who's also one of those dual-threat quarterbacks. He's not much He's not much of a threat throwing the ball, but watching him at Texas A&M, this guy's dynamic, and I just think the more they get him involved, it will give them a change of pace out there. Uh, with the hot shot. So, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. It's a it's a good change of pace with Trevor Knight, which uh, everyone believed he would be the starter at the beginning of the year. Uh, Johnny Wolford, <clears throat> to me, and I'm pretty sure most of everyone, he was a big surprise to be the starting quarterback for the hot shot. And like you said, it will be a nice change of pace with Trevor Knight, who is known for his athletic ability. Like you said, he reminds me of. Um, uh, Kellen Mann now at A and M, and with the with the running ability, and I think he and I think what Arizona has going for them between the change of pace, the, the quarterbacks is similar to what San Antonio would be would be having with Marquise Williams. Now I'm not saying that uh, Trevor Knight is as electric as Marquise Williams, but I mean it will be it will be interesting to see. But I do believe that San Antonio has, has still has the edge over the the Hatchets, even with the change of pace quarterback, because of their defense. Yeah, I, I hear you. But, I, you know, I, right now the Hotshots, they're, they're hot. I mean, you know, last week they beat Orlando, who's arguably the AAF, you know, the top dog in, in the entire uh, league. And then they, they handle San Diego pretty good. I like what they look like going down going forward. Uh, and speaking of Orlando, now they're back, you know, doing what they do, winning and winning big. They beat Atlanta 36-6. to I think we kind of all saw this as a good bounce-back game for them. So 
give me your take on Orlando and, and how you see this team uh, coming out. Oh, uh, start with Orlando. I'm going to say, speaking of week seven, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Orlando fan, so I'm a little biased. I was really hoping they would, they would score at least one more one more, one more touchdown because, you know, tradition to hang 40 on, on the legends. But I was a little disappointed. Junior, that, you're, not, you know, Junior you're not a betting man, are you? You were hoping for a 40, get your better intake or what? No, 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 man. I don't, I don't bet. I don't kidding. bet. I, just kidding. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't in a while. I haven't in a while. But no, I think I at least you're being upfront. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and to my belief, Orlando still is in the driver's seat for for the East and the West and the league. Period. I think they have the best squad, the best head coach. Uh, they they can adjust very well. And if they keep playing like they play versus the legend or versus San Antonio, which was, to my, in my opinion, their best game yet, because it was a game where they they, they were against the wall the whole time. Logan Woodside was putting a lot of pressure. Uh, San Antonio was not letting up. Kenneth Farrell wasn't letting up. That San Antonio defense was not letting up. And to my opinion, if the if the Apollos continue to play like they play versus the the Commanders. They are in the. They they have the command to to win it all. So, I wanted to get your take on Garrett Gilbert for Orlando. Do you feel like he's not being given enough credit as far as what he's done this season as a quarterback? I mean, I, I just I don't know. I I just have a feeling he's not getting enough respect, and the guy's been nothing but you know sensational, and he was definitely uh, uh, on point. Only missed. Uh, he had four incompletions. Avion Smith really led the, got the highlights with all the short yardage touchdowns. Yeah. Do you think Gary Gilbert is getting enough? Do you think Gary Gilbert is getting enough respect out there? Well, the, the respect situation is, is is relative in this case because Gary Gilbert is not having to do as much as other quarterbacks would have to be doing. Like for example, uh, a lot on Woodside, a uh, Johnny Walford. You know, um, Josh Woodrum, because the 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 Apollos are so well rounded that they don't they don't solely rely on Garrett Gilbert. Although he has been very a very good quarterback, extremely underrated in my opinion. Uh, the reason why I say respect is relative when it comes to Garrett Gilbert is because the the team they play as a team. He's not just the the only piece that team has. They can rely on their defense. They can rely on the running back. They can rely on the wide receivers. Uh, you you give the ball to Charles Johnson for a five yards land, and he can take it fifty yards. You know, so Garrett Gilbert. I don't. I'm not gonna say he's being disrespected or underrated. I, I'm. My opinion is that team is too well rounded, and that is why it feels that way. Hey, Jimmy, want to get your take on? the upcoming games for week eight. Uh, so the first game we have Orlando at Memphis. Obviously Orlando is super hot. Memphis, they have maybe a quarterback controversy brewing. Who do you see winning this game? I have to go with Orlando. I have to go to Orlando because right now Memphis is just trying to figure out their quarterback situation. That's that's off the rip. That's never good, especially in season when Memphis hasn't got anything going really and Orlando has everything going for them. You know, so I have to I have to go with Orlando 
better the better team. They they will be the better team coming into Memphis. Uh, Memphis still trying to figure out the whole situation with the quarterbacks, whether Johnny Manziel will play. Uh, Brandon Silvers, as good as he as he played, he, you know, I still wouldn't put him. Him winning against the Apollos when the Apollos are you know making a statement after they lost to the to the Hatchers, they they want to prove that they are the better team and that that loss was a fluke. So I mean, I kind of feel bad for Memphis coming into this game. Because the Apollos, it feels like they will do to them the exact same thing they did to they did to the legend. Very important game coming up for San Diego. They travel to Salt Lake on Saturday, to you know to, and, and this is a huge game for them because Arizona and San Antonio are playing each other. The winner, uh, obviously, is in a very good position for the playoffs. The loser takes a step back. And I know San Diego is probably hoping for Arizona to win this game so they can knock San Antonio back so they can still have a shot. Do you think that San Diego takes care of business in Salt Lake? I know Salt Lake has been struggling all year, but you never know how these things go. Does San Diego have enough motivation to win this game? Well, San Diego has to win this game. It's a most win for them, like you said. They they need it. But then again, they are going up against Salt Lake, which uh, I think got to the – Got to the quarterback seven times last week, if I'm not mistaken, six or seven times last week versus the Commanders. Uh, so, I San Diego needs to win, but can they get past the Salt Lake um, uh, front seven? It, it, that's the question for me. Although it's a must win, you you got to get past that that front seven. That's very good. Carter Schultz, we we spoke about him a couple uh, a couple of times. He's very good off the edge, and he leads that defense. And he knows how to get to the quarterback, and so does the rest of that defense know how to get to the quarterback. So if San Diego and Mike Morris can put, you know, can can hold that uh, that front seven at bay, I think San Diego has a shot. Other than that, if they cannot stop the rush, then I don't think they I don't think they they come out of Salt Lake with a with a victory. Atlanta, they have to travel to Birmingham on Sunday, and Atlanta struggled all year. Birmingham, right now they're four and three, ways behind Orlando, but they get to make up some ground if somehow Memphis, you know, takes care of business on Orlando at home. So Birmingham has a lot to play for. How do you see this game going? I see this game going Birmingham's way. I think Luis Perez is going to, you know, he he's going to do what he did. Uh, not this past weekend, but the week before when he tossed three touchdowns. Uh, I think this this will be the time for him to show out again versus an Atlanta, an, an Atlanta team that's also trying to figure it out between Aaron Murray and Matt Sims. Uh, I just I just think Birmingham has it. Uh, Trent Richardson, you know, inside the in, in the red zone, he he's unstoppable so far. Has he has been? Uh, now, if they can contain Luis Perez, then I. I think Atlanta can win it. I'll call the upset if they can contain Luis Perez because Sir Richardson not being able to hit the holes like we spoke a couple of weeks ago, it really helps Atlanta and the and that Atlanta defense that is very good. Definitely agree with you on that one. Um, and now for the game of the week. This is Arizona going to San Antonio. Huge game. Arizona high shot, San Antonio commanders. This right here is the biggest game of the week. 
But whoever wins this game takes over first place. How do you see this going? And do we know who the quarterback is going to be for San Antonio Commanders? Have they have they given out an injury report yet? I've been looking around for it. I haven't seen anything. I need. To I haven't found anything. San Antonio to hurry up and let us know this. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't found anything. Uh, so I don't want to speculate who's to, uh, who's going to be the starting quarterback for San Antonio. But if Marquise Williams starts, I would give the hot shots the edge because uh, Marquise Williams doesn't have the the experience with the team, with the reps that, that Logan Woodside has. You know, and I'm not just talking about practice. I'm talking about real time. He, we saw him. We saw him played last weekend, but that that's not enough to convince me that he can that he can be uh, an Arizona Hatchet team that needs a win. They they want this win to to like you said take over the the West. So if Logan Woodside is, is the starter, which we don't know right now, then I'll I'll take San Antonio. And but again, which, whichever way it goes, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hell of a game. Because both teams are coming out uh, showing that they that they deserve the first place, and Johnny Wolford he's been on fire like you said these past couple of weeks, and I and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. I just wish I knew who the starting quarterback for San Antonio would be. Absolutely. So I'm I'm sort of agreeing with you there, but really I'm I'm just I just remember because I, I live in ACC country. And I watch Keith Williams just give every team fits. I wish he would have gotten a chance and more of a chance in Minnesota, but I really think just by his leadership qualities alone, he's one of those guys that, you know, that that teams gravitate to him because he's just a natural leader. I really feel like if he is a starting quarterback, at least for this game, I still have confidence that they can go forward and win this one. Uh, But you know what? Great take on all these things, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing this week because everything is starting to come starting to come together, and you you want to see teams separate. Orlando, they're running things right now in the West, a lot more uh, 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 you know complex that's going on out there. So in the next coming weeks, a lot of stuff is going to start to shake out. We definitely want to keep it posted. Yeah, and I and the the one question I do have is why is it that it's always the teams in the West that produce the better teams? We see that in the NBA, and we're seeing this right now in the AAF. The teams from the West are always giving each other fits. The teams from the East, there's always one dominant team. I think it's the weather. It's, it's just, we have more fun in the West. Huh. We have more fun out West. Yeah. Yeah, because the the, 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 the San Antonio Spurs, hell of a team. The Golden State yep. Warriors, hell of a team. The Houston Rockets. Yep. The West Division is stacked. The AAF, we have teams four and three, the five and two, you know, battling for first place. In the East, we have San Antonio. I mean, uh, the Apollos just six and one, the commanding lead, and and the Iron, you know, hoping for a loss for the for the Apollos. It's, it's, it's crazy to me how the East is, you know, seems like yep. the the easier the easier division. And unfortunately, it's year one, so we won't know. Like you said, a lot of the programs have to be revamped and how they're going to react, especially in Memphis and Birmingham and, and Atlanta for sure. So, um, Junior, awesome take on week seven, awesome take on week eight. So, um, looking forward to another week of AAF action here. Um, we'll see if San Antonio can maintain their lead in the West 
Arizona continues to surprise week to week. We'll see if this is uh, a, a moment like they did against the Apollos. Will they take down San Antonio here to another notch? And uh, my fleet yes. must win in Sa- Salt Lake, and it looks like they're not going must to win. win in Salt Lake, given, like your, to your point, the defensive, defensive uh, stouting of the Stallions. And uh, um, obviously the Apollos and, and see if we get another week of Memphis, but it looks like it's probably going to be uh, Apollos and it's going to be Birmingham kind of rebounding. So look yes. forward to next week uh, as we talk about week eight and how it's like choices coming down to the nitty gritty here. Who's going to vouch for positioning? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be an interesting uh, last few weeks. Uh, do you guys see uh, – Charlie ever saw an Eminem on Twitter? Oh you yeah, see the new no. saw him. Yep. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie and Eminem. Eminem really loves AF. Yeah, he loves the AF, and he wants a he wants a team in Detroit. I, I, I see you put a team like in Detroit. That. Why not? Yeah, yeah. The Eminem was talking to send Charlie a tweet. And pretty much requested a team to come to Detroit, yep. so it's going to be interesting what 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 takes what takes place uh, year two. Hey, Junior, the joke fun. will be on the NFL, right? If if you put the team in, uh, in Detroit and they win better than the, the, the Lions, that's <laughs> not going to be good. Yeah, because, yeah, because already the Lions have the the only zero and sixteen season in NFL history, oh, yeah. so. Yeah, it's it's, it's going so, to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. maybe they'll it's move Memphis there. See what happens. Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll maybe move Manziel they, there. Maybe they, maybe they combine Memphis and, and Atlanta and bring them to Detroit. There you I don't go. Know. I don't know oh, what, what, what could happen. That would be my thing. All right, Junior, great yeah. job uh, recapping Week Seven. We'll look forward to Week Eight and kind of re- and start previewing Week Nine. More of a playoff mode coming up in Week Nine. So, uh, just want to yeah. give you feedback. We were talking at the beginning of the hour. I don't know if you were listening to us, but uh, a lot of positive feedback on your uh, segment with us on the podcast. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us the lowdown on the AAF. And a lot of fans are really appreciative of your insights and your uh, yeah, week to week. So thank you for that. No, no problem, man. Thank you guys for having me again. You know, it's it's, it's nice talking about talking about something I'm passionate about, especially being football. With football in the spring, you know, it's something you you don't you don't see anymore, and and it's now right here because of the AAF. So thank you guys for giving me a a platform. All right, guys, follow Junior at uh, AAF Extended on uh, YouTube as well as on Twitter week to week, and then obviously on game days, Saturdays and Sundays. Check him out. Um, kind of feedback on everything that's happening. So, uh, Junior, looking forward to week eight. We'll see how the results come up. All right, man. Thank you for having me, and y'all have a good night now. Thanks. Have a good day. We'll see you next week. All right. All right. See you next week. Bye. All right, uh, Troy, there you go. Junior Pardo breaking it down for us, AAF. So we'll see how the results are here. Uh, my fleet's kind of struggling right now. We'll see how they turn out. Man, I'll tell you what. These guys, the more you watch these games, you can see them starting to get their legs under them, starting to get a feel for, you know, their new teammates. So if you watched it from the beginning, one, and now we're up to week eight, teams are really starting to put it together. Even even Salt Lake, you know, they struggled really early in the beginning. And as you and, and as Junior alluded to earlier, they ended up with seven sacks last week. I mean, 
you, I really like the way that these teams are putting it together. But I think head and above everyone else is Orlando. I just think they look really solid. And you love how they came out last week. They put it right back together. It's against an Atlanta team that's been struggling a little bit. Hey, listen, every every one of these games counts. So it doesn't matter what the record of the team is. You just got to beat them in front of them. And that's something that they've been doing consistently. And with the hot shots coming on the way they've been coming on, beating Orlando, getting the win last week in San Diego against San Diego. So I'm really liking how they're coming up, and this is just going to be a huge game. This is definitely the game of the week, the San Antonio uh, versus uh, Arizona hot shots. It's going to be a great game. I'm really dying to see who, who comes out there. And, I, and I'm trying to tell you guys, if you haven't seen Marquise Williams play, if he's the starting quarterback, I'm I'm really excited. I just want to see this kid get a chance. But I think that that team is good either way with Woodside out there. He has been spectacular all season long. And they, for goodness sake, if I can, if I can say one thing, can San Antonio find a way to get Trey Williams the ball? Is there any Seriously, person huh? in this league who can catch this kid from behind? They really need to find a way to get him the ball. They, You know, when uh, uh, Marquise Williams hit him in the flat and you saw what happened, he took it right to the house easily. They need to get this kid the ball if they really want to win. All right. Uh, so, AF, uh, we'll talk about it next week with uh, Junior Pardo as well. I uh, want to thank uh, Dale Glossinger for coming on here on AFB. And then, obviously, the uh, FFA uh, All-Star and WNFC's Majestics, uh, Sylvie Ibish. And uh, so let's get into it. This week, past weekend, it was uh, excitement in Vegas. Two games, two scrimmages. One was the WNFC scrimmage between the Utah Falcons and the LA Bobcats. And lo and behold, uh, beans of Falcons continue to roll. A 49-0 burger doesn't vote well for the program in LA. So hopefully they can start putting some points up. But against uh, Utah, no points here, Troy. So that doesn't look very promising for the Bobcats. Well, I don't know. I mean, listen, Utah has been a machine, you know, as long as I can even remember. I mean, that that team was has virtually been unbeatable for a while. It's no, you know, it's no loss losing to that team right there. I will say this. Anytime you get beat down like that, you're going to learn a few things about your team, whether or not you can come back from a loss and still keep your chin up, or is that going to, you're going to be down for the rest of the time. And that's what these games are for, is to learn, you know, where, where these guys are at. So, you know, going forward, they definitely keep your head up, but don't don't hold your head down too long losing to that team. All right. The other international friendly in uh, Vegas was the multi-time champion Saskatoon Valkyries of the WWCFL, uh, which is the Western Women's Canadian Football League. They went down there and 34-6 to took care of Sin City Trojans. Uh, technically, Troy – not at the same level, of course, as the Valkyries, because we're talking like D1 versus a D3 team. Sin City really not at that gauge yet. They did muster a, uh, a touchdown with them, but uh, this is the cream of the crop in WWCFL. Uh, so Saskatoon are literally almost like Utah, just really putting points up. Yeah, another program that's been dominant for a long time. And, again, it's, it's nothing to hang your, hat, your head down for that one. I mean, you know that that team is is uh, you know the cream of the crop, especially in their in their league. And it's not surprising that they come out and dominate. That's just what they do. They're a program that's been together for a while, and uh, you kind of expect those things. But again, that's why you play these friendlies. 
is to get is for these coaches to get a gauge on you know how their team reacts and um, you know one of the things you want to find out is, is how your team reacts on their adversity. So, Sin City has their work cut out for them uh, to get that team prepared for the next uh, game, and in two weeks, um, you know they're going to start their season. So you know let's get ready to ramp it up. All right, so uh, we got more events coming March 30th. Limpa All-Stars Team uh, Guadalajara versus Team Mexico, Central Mexico. You can uh, get the details at facebook.com forward slash Limpa. March 30th, the United States Women's Football League kickoff their season. Uh, two games, Tri-City Thunder versus Central Carolina Cardinals, as well as the Keystone Assault taking on the multi-time champion Washington Prodigy. You can get the scoop and the details to bat at Club Burmy on the US, USWFL preview. So you can go there and get the details on that. I want to give a shout-out to WNFC kicker, Texas Elite, Shelby Valdepena, who got, had, got featured. You can go to the hub at facebook.com. Check it out the feature there as well. The WFA champion, Boston Renegades, named their captains for 2019, and uh, they're posted over at the Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties as well. So check that out. And Bruno Amazon's Mariola Weiser, I uh, got the internship with the men's club in Europe at Bla- the Bladislava Monarchs, and she'll be interning there. She's a multi-time champion with Bruno Amazons of the Czech League. So congratulations to her for doing that as well. Um, we got action in uh, Texas, XFFL Texas, the champion Texas Generals, 51-38, taking care of South Texas Cobras, the highlights by the South Texas Cobras at the hub at facebook.com for Sesquidon Beauties. Loretto Warhawks rebound 46 to six, and they take care of the Lady Spartans who had forfeited the week before. Uh, River City Sirens 64 to 51 over Kingsville Empire. Week seven previews coming up as soon as the uh, league discloses those on there as well. Over in Spain, the Firebats remain and beat the uh, Buffaloes uh, 12 to six. Um, and so that was the battle uh, in for the week six final there, week seven coming up here as the Firebats chase the undefeated 5-0 Barbera rookies. So, Troy, up in Spain, it's getting a little tighter here. We only got a couple of weeks left in the season, and, and uh, playoff positioning here really crucial for certain teams, especially Buffaloes and the Pioneers, uh, given that the Firebats and the rookies pretty much sit atop. Yeah, I mean, and right now that's who they're chasing. And, you know, they just have to keep talking at it. I mean, when it comes down to it, you want to get yourself in position to at least get a shot to dance. And if you can get in there, you definitely have a chance to do it. All right. Um, the other thing is in Honduras, thanks to AFI Review and obviously to Ellie White, uh, the Dark Angels 3 P champions in Honduras, 42-0 to zero over the Blitz Craig. Uh, and uh, you can get the details there on the Facebook dot com for Sasquatch Beauties on the story that happened there in Honduras. So congratulations to the Dark Angels there of Honduras. Uh, the other spotlight was on the uh, Harlingen Hunties of the IWFA. Forty Forty Advertising did a feature on them. You can check that out. We also have LFB highlights and recaps by Diagonal as Naredas remain undefeated in Cancun. Right staying in contention is Barracudas. That was week four of LFB Cancun. You can get that also on at the hub. And next week, we will have Legends Football League 2019 roster preview, Troy. Everybody, all the rosters are out for um, the Legends Football League. So next week, we will detail those rosters in detail 
Uh, Nashville revamps themselves. Seattle kind of stouting themselves. You've got a new quarterback in Omaha, which is Anna Garza. You've got a, a brand-new, uh, totally revamped Austin Acoustic with uh, Michelle Angel, and then obviously the Atlanta Steam with uh, Dakota, Hughes, Dakota Hughes returning. So it's going to be pretty interesting to talk about that. So uh, if you miss anything, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Stay up to date on everything that's happening in the women's game. And uh, don't miss a weekly show with us. It's the best podcast talking women's American football internationally and globally. And we appreciate everybody making us that because you are what makes us uh, the best. So, uh, Troy, we had a good time. Uh, Dale Glossinger of AFE. And we also had Sylvie coming in. And then we just talked to Junior Pardo about AAF, so a big pack 266 for us. Always enjoy our guests. We always have the best guests. They always are so insightful in giving us information as far as what's going on with them and and how we can stay in touch with them. And so we definitely appreciate that. And, you know, if you guys want to come on, please hit us up on the Glidiron Glidiron, uh, Beauties page on Facebook. Get in touch with us and let us know if you want to come on and and give us your take on what you got to say. Appreciate you guys. All right, guys. Uh, just a reminder: you can catch us, uh, me, Troy, and everybody else on the co- the co-hosts, uh, Holly Custis, Mackenzie Brooks, and Louise Bean. You can uh, you can do replays anytime on Apple Podcasts. Over 200 episodes. You can go back and listen to Troy over and over and over and over on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes. Uh, you can also catch us on Indie Rap Radio Wednesdays, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can always replay us on Player FM and right here on Block Talk Radio as well. So, Troy, awesome. Uh, great analytics this week. I was so stoked as a little kid, just a geek mode for me. So, uh, really appreciate you uh, doing all your thing that you do and then everybody else contributing to the podcast over time here. Uh, um, Eric Lynn Anderson as well as uh, Inkishi Free and then obviously Eric Brown as well in the past. So, all that's possible to, uh, for today because of everybody else that's done their part. So I really appreciate that. So we'll kind of exciting, Troy, as we are like one week away from WNFC and WFA launch and kickoff. Yeah, man, this huge time's coming up. I mean, it's super exciting. I, I really cannot wait to see the WNFC and how this all shakes out. I want to see how they're doing it. I love how they already got the platform set up as it is and, and everybody that's, you know, going, uh, you know, and supporting that organization with the sponsors. Now I want this time to get everything done on the field, and that's really what, what drives the boat. So I can't wait to sit down and check these things out, man. So looking forward to it, and we will let you guys know our take on it every single week here on on, on the Grip Iron Blitz. All right, Troy, uh, for everybody else, uh, we'll catch you guys next week, 267. should be huge. And one week before WNFC and WFA action kicks off. So, uh Catch you guys next next week on right here on Apple Podcasts, Block Talk Radio, and also on Player FM. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.